Join with me for the next few minutes as I leave with you a message that the Lord has laid in my heart. Today, I would like to deal with the subject, how to set the church on fire for God. Did you know that the word fire is used 526 times in the scriptures? One such reference is found in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord. Again, in Psalm 104, verse 4, we read the words, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers flaming fire. I believe that it's a fundamental thought to consider today in light of the dead cold formulism of many churches and many professing Christian lives to ask this basic question, how to be on fire for God. There's a story told that in County Down the railway was having a a yard sale and outside the gate they had this uh, advertisement, old sleepers for sale, make excellent firewood. Wouldn't those words, old sleepers, couldn't they be written over many churches today, over the lives of so many Christians? Is there not a cold, dead formulism today? Even what we call a cold, dead orthodoxy, where people are just going through the motions. But, but they have no passion or concern, not for themselves or for the souls of others. You, you think of many professing Christian families and they have no concern for the souls of their young people, no concern for the souls of boys and girls. They have no concern for their friends or their neighbours. They have no concern for the stranger. And how, of course, unlike the early church they were. We read in the Bible that the uh, early disciples turned the known world upside down for Jesus Christ. That is, throughout the whole of the Roman Empire, the person and work of Jesus Christ was known. The good news of the gospel, the way of salvation, had been clearly and faithfully presented. There's a story told that in 1836, a preacher by the name of R.T. Pearson was praying one night in his study, and he prayed this, O Lord, set my church in fire. Now, he had a cold, dead, formulistic, although orthodox church. It was in a beautiful wooden building. And that night, the building did burn down, literally. He then moved into the old opera house in the town, and he later testified that in 16 months, he saw many, many souls saved in all of the 16 years that he'd been in that particular location. He himself testified that he was set in fire for God, that his whole ministry was set ablaze for God, that his elders and his deacons and his members were set in fire for God. And because they were in fire for God, then that affected the town and a great movement for God took place and a revival broke out in that particular location. So this is something that's basic and fundamental, something that I believe that we need to consider in our day. 
how to set the church on fire for God. First of all, let me bring to your attention that in order to set the church on fire for God, in order to be on fire for God, that you need to have an important proposal. And the proposal is this, no confidence in the flesh. You need to teach that and tell that to yourself. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Why? Who or what have we got confidence in? Is it confidence in self? Is it confidence in our buildings, in our numbers, in our money, in our ability to do things? And yet, while we have all this, we see so little done for God. In fact, so little is achieved. The Saviour said, without me, ye can do nothing. So in order to be in fire for God, we need to make this important proposal. And it's this, no confidence in the flesh. The second thing we need is to make an important plan. And part of that plan, in fact at its heart, is the utter abandonment of oneself to God. C.T. Studd said this, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. C.T. Studd was a brilliant quickener. He inherited a lot of money early in life. And yet he come to the point where he said, All I have... And all I am, Lord, is yours. He gave away his vast fortune. And he sought on this principle, the utter abandonment of himself to Jesus Christ and his cause. There's a vast difference between self and the spirit. Didn't the Savior say to his disciples in one of those post-resurrection appearances to them? He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, what was accomplished in the first century through the disciples, where the whole known world heard about Jesus Christ and his person and work, heard about sin and salvation, and the need to repent and receive Christ as Lord and Redeemer, it was brought about by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we talk about the Acts of the Apostles. That's one of the books of the Bible. But I believe we should really be talking about the acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And there's a difference under the control and power and domination of the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask, is that true of you? Are you full of self? Or, or full of the Spirit. There's been a, a time in your life, a decision when you made this uh, plan, the utter abandonment of yourself to Jesus Christ. There's a story told about a minister called Chapman. He was visiting one of his parishioners one day. She was an old lady. She was actually a dressmaker. And um, in the course of pastoral ministry, he was urging her to witness to others. And she said to him, now, Pastor, you know I don't get out much. I work hard at home and who, who do I have to speak to? So he said this, does the bread man call? She said yes. He asked her, does the um, uh, ladies not come to pick up their dresses? Yes. Does the milkman not call? Yes, he does. Then he says, start there. Tell them that you have made the most wonderfulest discovery that you've come across the most glorious dress that you've ever imagined could have been made in the whole of the world. 
And that dress, of course, is the robe of perfect righteousness that was earned by Jesus Christ in his sinless life and by his atoning death and blood shedding on the tree. And this robe is offered free to all who receive Christ as Lord and Saviour. And that's the most glorious dress of all to be dressed in before God. And she said, I can't do that. And he said, you're 100% right, you can't do it. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And he said, what you need to do is you need to abandon yourself to, to Jesus Christ. And you need to fully rely and trust in the power of the Spirit of God uh, to work in you and through you. Seek the fullness of God's power. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that is the heart of the plan in order to be in fire for God. But there's something else. There's an important prayer uh, to be offered. And the prayer ties into this um, uh, proposal and this plan. And it's this, send the fire. I wonder, are you praying that God will send the fire of the Holy Ghost into your life and to work in your family? Have you prayed that prayer today on their behalf? I uh, know uh, of many prayer meetings in the past and we could stretch it back to 1625, 1859, the 1920s. I think of our own free Presbyterian denomination and its formation in the early days. I've heard testimony from the late uh, uh, Dr. Ian R. K. Paisley, who, who talked about the, the fire of God come up upon them through seasons of prayer. Uh, and you see, without prayer, nothing will be accomplished by the Lord. And if we're going to see our family saved, then we need to pray for them and ask the Lord to send the fire. And I would urge you indeed to do that. There's an important prayer to be offered. But, but on top of that, there is an important passion. Um, you, you must have a burden, a, a burden for lost, perishing souls. I know of Dr. Paisley testifying of one time that one man who was a Christian worker sought to bring in a number of souls into his church on a Sabbath evening. And one Sabbath evening, a particular gospel mission, that man had 14 souls, many family members and a number of friends brought in uh, to the, that church uh, that night. Uh, he, he had made two trips for them all to be there. And that night, many of them came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder, do we have a burden and a passion for souls? Take D.L. Moody in Chicago. He wanted to teach a Sunday school class. He was informed, but there was no children. What did he do? Did he sit back and have a pity party and moan and complain? There's no children to teach. No, he went out into the highways and byways, into the alleyways. And he brought them in under the sound of the word of God. Until eventually there was 2,000 children in what was known as Moody's Sunday School. He loved those children. He prayed for those children. He knew their names. He sacrificed a lot for those children. He'd done everything that he could in his lifetime to try and win them for Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was better than you and me. No, the love of Christ constrained them. He was full of a love of Christ for these lost, perishing souls. And he recognized that their greatest need was to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May the Lord give us a love like that. And I would urge you to um, think not only also uh, of uh, having a, a, this important pa passion in your life, but of course there's an important principle. And the principle is this, that we need to have faith in God. That's what the Bible tells us. Have faith in God. Forsaking all, I trust him. 
because this um, setting on fire, literally the church of Jesus Christ on earth, and the individual Christians that make up the local assemblies of God's people, it'll only come about through the Lord's work and, and by the Lord's power and by the Lord's doing. And we need to look to him and we need to have faith in him and we need to remind it, our, ourselves and our souls that the just shall live by faith. I wonder, have you faith in God to revive a cold, dead, formalistic church, even if it is orthodox? Do you believe that God could set in fire a, 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 a mere professing Christian who lives for self? I believe he can. And I'm praying. Will you pray along with me? That the Lord will set Carrie Duff FPC in fire. That the Lord will make me, as one of his ministers, into a flaming fire in this locality. And that the Lord will cause others to come and see us burn for God. Make me, Lord, I pray, a burning and a shining light for Jesus Christ in this end time age of apostasy. The Lord bless you and thank you for listening. This is all about kindling the fire in the church. And these are the steps that are necessary, I believe, to do it. We could talk about killing the fire, but we'll leave that to another time. God bless you and thank you for listening.